And the idea as kind of an entrepreneur and an engineer that I couldn't get out of my head was the connection between the things we buy, the data about the things we buy, and our health. What I couldn't shake loose was this idea that we don't have even access to that own basic information. It, you know, the technology's not the problem, right? And so the, the idea back then that I really couldn't shake loose was um, this connection between purchase information and health. Really some puzzle pieces came together for me in my career over many years after that. That was the aha moment. My name is Adam Newman, and I am the founder and CEO at Pearl. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today, how Adam Newman took a new tool and built a new company for brands to stay connected and respect data privacy. All this and more on Code Story. Adam Newman grew up in the suburbs of New York and Brooklyn. Now he lives in the D.C., Maryland area. His grandparents were immigrants and owned a bakery and were tailors. So the entrepreneur and self-starter characteristics found in Adam are deeply rooted. He's married with four kids and loves to spend lots of time outdoors and living vicariously through his children's sports activities. He spends a lot of time helping his wife grow her education business, and she spends a lot of time supporting and encouraging him with his ventures. Through his life experiences, including losing his father to cancer, an idea originated in him around consumers owning their purchase data while enabling enterprises who cooperate with data privacy best practices to reach the right consumers without ever giving them anyone's data. When a few things caught up in the world, data privacy rules, the industry, and Adam himself, he was able to step into creating a win-win solution around this data. This is the creation story of Pearl. Pearl is the world's first purchase privacy platform. I promised I'd tell you about the name. The reason I love the name Pearl is it's that mental image, you know, of a pearl as this, you know, precious, valuable, vulnerable thing that you want to protect. You want to protect it in, you know, a shell that only you can decide to open or share with others. That's a great analogy for our information. It paints a full picture of our lives and it's a it is a very precious, valuable and vulnerable thing. It also pearl happens to be my daughter's middle name. We're a startup, so we had to spell it all techie, you know, P-Y-R-L, because that's what startups do these days. And the premise is that our most valuable data, right, as consumers, really is how we all spend our money. If you think about that, down to the nitty gritty, literally the things we buy, that is completely locked up value. Meaning that we as consumers, even though it's our information, right, we actually have no effective access to that simple information about all the things we buy. It turns out, you know, if we fix that, that has tremendous benefits to the average person in our finances, in our health, in our privacy. It's also a big problem and a locked up value to the companies that need to earn our trust. And they can't reach us today on that 
granular basis of what are the actual things we're interested in purchasing, and, and they certainly can't in any ethical way. And so that dual-sided problem, what it does is it, it lets Pearl build a solution that's win-win by restoring trust, right, and really direct relationships between consumers and the companies that we're buying from. We're not only, you know, cutting out all the data trackers that now sit in the middle of those relationships, but what we're doing is we're giving our users the benefits of their own data across their wallets, their health, their finances, their privacy, while at the same time, uh, we're able to get the cooperation of the companies that have to be involved for it to work because for them, we're solving what's roughly a hundred billion dollar enterprise problem of the skyrocketing costs of just reaching the right consumers ethically. Uh, so that's what Pearl is. I was a tech entrepreneur in New York City kind of during the dot-com craze when really my world kind of blew up. There was the dot-com crash and my partner and I decided to wind our first business down. 9-11 happened, which was obviously devastating in every way. Uh, I had just gotten married. I was in some debt for my first business. And then I lost my dad to cancer. He was 55 uh, and, you know, he was kind of my best friend. He was always talked about having a fire in the belly for what you pursue in life. And for me, in an unexpected way, that was the spark behind Pearl. I didn't realize back then how it would all evolve. But what the reason it was a, the spark for Pearl is um, his his cancer, you know, as is common with so many diseases, it really couldn't be explained through genetics alone. And so you start thinking about man-made causes of disease and product-based causes of disease and the exposures we all have. Um, and the idea as kind of an entrepreneur and an engineer that I couldn't get out of my head was the connection between, you know, the things we buy, the data about the things we buy and our health, you know, what's in products. Uh, and what I couldn't shake loose was this idea that you know, why don't we have the edge consumers? We don't have even access to that own basic information. Um, you know, I'm talking item level information about the things we purchase and expose our households to, whether it's personal care products or household chemicals or food or anything um, of that nature, because, it, you know, the technology's not the problem, right? When you make purchases, barcode level, item level information, is there and so the, the idea back then that i really couldn't shake loose was um, this connection between purchase information and health really some puzzle pieces came together for me in my career over many years after that that was the aha moment because you know at the very beginning i didn't realize this was a big business opportunity you know at the beginning i was thinking you know it should be a nonprofit that accomplishes that and just, you know, dashboards, the things I buy, green, yellow, red, what's in them, the health impacts. And what became really obvious was, um, you know, a lot of things had to catch up. For me, you know, privacy became the accidental mission because, you know, when you really look at how privacy is defined, it's not just keeping, you know, bad guys out of your data, it's also your own right to access and utilize your own information. And so that was one aha moment of, okay, what I'm really, what I've really been thinking about really is all about data privacy. Society had to catch up because now everybody gets it, right? The value of privacy, everybody, it's a mainstream idea. The average person gets it that, yes, my data is worth something. Yes, I get that it's being, I'm being tracked. 
technology had to catch up, right? Just the ability to securely route people's information to them where you know, they're in the driver's seat, but also maintaining the security on the corporate side of things, those who are contributing the data. But the biggest thing, I mean, honestly, is I had to catch up. I had, you know, kind of the, the drive and some of the seedlings of the ideas, but I didn't have the experience back then to do something of this magnitude and really something industry changing. And I was really lucky, you know, in the years since that you know, a couple of big puzzle pieces came together in my career that gave me uh, different experiences to now, you know, really make Pearl happen at scale. Well, tell me about the MVP. So that first product that you went out and you built, how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Yeah, so we formally incorporated Pearl recently, like uh, last October. Some really great, you know, pre-seed investors that came together, uh, like Hustle Fund and the co-founder of Greenhouse Software, co-founder of a big, you know, venture firm out in Silicon Valley and a digital streaming company that got sold and a a few others, it's been awesome. But the, there was so much legwork before that, like almost the two years before that of the, all the basic concepts having to come together to start to build the MVP. What do we build? Um, because if you look at what Pearl is fundamentally, you have consumers on the one side, companies that they buy from on the other with a secure data platform in the middle, which is Pearl. And so we had a lot of decisions to make on getting the MVP built and how to prioritize what to actually build. So on the consumer side, we went out and did actually six different national surveys across all different geographies and income levels and age, bands, gender, um, to understand, you know, really get a, a picture of the average consumer when it comes to this information, which, like I said at the beginning, you know, the, the how we spend money is our most valuable information, but nobody cares about data, right? The average consumer doesn't care about data. They care about convenience and features and savings and uh, turns out privacy. So we did a lot of legwork to, to make sure we had a, a little bit of a more quantifiable picture of when it comes to purchase information and the features that if we can make purchase information accessible, Right today, you can't pick up your phone and see all the stuff you buy, but if we can fix that, then all these features become possible all of a sudden. Of all those possibilities, what's really important to people versus not so important? So that was a whole bunch of work that we did. But then separately, you know, flipping over to the more enterprise side, you know, we had to make sure that we're gonna go build something that made sense for the enterprises also, because unless we build a win-win, the concept doesn't work. And so I spent a lot of time meeting with executives of retailers, really informally, and a lot of introductions through advisors and things like that, and just, you know, the, the hard work of networking to, to talk about the concept and, you know, is this solving a problem that you have and hearing from them what they love about it and what, they are, what their concerns are that we would need to engineer for, for it to be something workable for them. I'd say, you know, once we did all that legwork, and decided, okay, the MVP really should be centered on privacy. The common denominator across the board on all that legwork was privacy. All the surveys we did, it's like the the number one feature everybody said they wanted, almost like across different demographics and all that was, yeah, I want one place I can just sign up and boom, every place that I spend money, I've got my data privacy. And then secondly, I've got my data access. I can see it, I can make use of it. 
fortuitously, like really lucky for us, data privacy laws, right at the exact same time, started really heating up. And we realized like, wow, okay, consumers want this. Data privacy laws are now going on the book, started in California and now it's really propagating uh, across the country. Those laws are really a, a propellant for what we're trying to do. They empower what we're trying to do. They let consumers appoint uh, companies like Pearl as their agent to go act on their behalf and to make things happen. And we thought, well, that's like wind at our backs. Lastly, on the enterprise side, through all those conversations, it was, yeah, you know, the acceleration of data privacy laws is making it more and more and more expensive for companies to reach the right consumers and certainly to do it ethically. And so it, it became this like, you know, screaming aha moment of your MVP needs to be about privacy, you know, a very straightforward you know, purchase privacy tool where people can come sign up, create an account, and if they want to link credit cards or uh, or if they don't, they can manually just put in, here's where I buy things, here's where I spend money, and boom, Pearl goes and makes that happen for you. And so that's how we decided what to build. Um, and uh, I'd say from once we decided what the MVP was and got, you know, some of the right team members lined up, it was about six months to get uh, the MVP built and start to get it tested. So from that point, then you got your MVP, you, you built it, it took six months. How did you progress it from there? And you mentioned roadmap earlier, but but I want to dial into that specifically. How did you build your roadmap and decide, OK, after privacy, this is the next most important thing to build or to focus on? The prioritization of it came through all the, the legwork of talking to consumers and talking to executives because the, the, you know, something I learned the hard way through the last venture I did, which, which amazingly gave me kind of a playbook for how to go about building Pearl as a win-win. You know, the bottom line is that when you're doing something that is intended to create a new industry standard, those are big goals, right? Changing an industry and, and, uh, and creating a new standard are big goals. Something I learned the hard way from my past is it only works when it's a win-win. Meaning, you know, the Pearl concept, the real magic trick behind it is how we are creating a win, a win-win across consumers and all the companies they buy from. Because, you know, beating corporations over the head with privacy laws is only going to get you so far. What we've been able to crack, and it took time, and I went about it totally the wrong way before realizing the right way, was we can create a win-win. We can put consumers in the driver's seat where they are in you know, full control of their data, no one can access it but them, while at the same time, companies that honor privacy requests and are privacy complying um, are going to benefit financially and benefit in terms of consumer trust in very measurable ways so that they can plug in our APIs and, and do pilots with us and get involved. So the win-win the is the key to everything, right? We the companies have to trust us and consumers have to trust us. For consumers, we wanted to be able to, you know, make a basic statement that, hey, even our own engineers can't see your data. And so we had to engineer that way, meaning being privacy first architected from the beginning, from the ground up. And when you build a platform that way, you know, it's more challenging than uh, if you didn't build it that way. It makes certain things harder to do as a company. And then on the enterprise side, things like having a distributed secure system where we can sit across the table from a CIO or a CISO and say, hey, you don't need to trust a startup. You can deploy, you know, a an instance of the Perl server on your own premises or in your own private cloud. 
you can keep it on-prem, you can keep it behind your own existing security infrastructure and firewall, uh, and you have full administrative rights to it, and the whole ecosystem still works, and you know, you're not breaking your internal controls, you're not uh, violating any of the, the procedures that you put in place. So it allows the enterprise side of things and those executives to um, pilot with Perl without, you know, without taking risks like that uh, from an enterprise perspective. So th those kinds of features have really spelled our roadmap, like, like I've painted more the non-functional side, and then the, the functional side as well uh, came from all that same research. So let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And, and specifically, what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? I've been fortunate in you know some of the things I've gotten to do before Pearl. I was involved with building a you know a large joint venture that helped address the last financial crisis, and we went really fast to 500 people. And so you know a lot of things you do right and wrong, and make mistakes and learn through things like that. As you're building a team, the the first thing I always look for: do we share a vision? Like I shared the really personal roots that Pearl started for for me, but if you've got people, um, you know regardless of the specifics of the particular technology or skill set they're bringing to the table if there's a shared energy for wow i you know i'm passionate about this right people come in and and you're introduced to them um and there's that spark there's that shared vision of wow this is huge if we can fix this we're fixing a major problem in the world people's privacy people's identity getting kind of the bad guys out of the middle rebuilding trust creating a trust-based economy, helping people's health, helping their wallets, like all those kinds of things. If that lights a spark for folks, then uh, then that's always the first thing. In the very early days that we're, we were in and are really still in, it starts with kind of the inner circles of uh, who knows who. You know, I, I had really great um, introductions from advisors and investors where, you know, we were introduced to our first, you know, CTO who had a great background in retail tech. Um, and introduced to uh, even someone from the last venture was my first partner in strategizing how to bring Pearl to market at all. Another one of my investors uh, through them, we met you know the gentleman that's now helping with all of our user marketing. And so the team started to come together that way. But that being said, I mean, as we hit our next, next funding milestone and we start to really grow the team more, uh, we'll be a lot more deliberative about, you know, growing a team less around just who knows who and more attention to what do we really need to put in place for the next stage of growth, making sure we're building uh, hiring for diversity. The best ideas uh, have, you know, in past things that I've done have come from doing that. You know, there's a real risk when you just go with who you know, everybody becomes like-minded. So as we, you know, as we uh, hit that next funding milestone and we really start to expand the team, um, we'll be going about it that way. Let's flip to scalability. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction with Pearl? Basically, we've architected for scalability, but didn't build it all at the beginning. Because, um, you know, it's like any startup, you have to be careful about what you invest in, not over-investing too soon. Right now, you know, the platform is horizontally scalable and it's one of the trade-offs we had to make. Like the last business I built, we put, we were one of the first two major kind of national financial infrastructures that went all in on AWS. 
and so they were a big partner of ours uh, uh, Amazon Web Services and so it would have been the natural thing in starting Perl to base the platform on AWS um, but there's kind of a wrinkle with that right so one of our major partner sets of partners that we need as we build out Perl is retailers you know for obvious reasons there's a competitive issue there between Amazon and and all the other retailers and so we heard that from retail executives that you know they're not particularly thrilled with a platform like ours being relying on AWS so we that was one choice we're we're on Azure but in terms of architecting for scale what we did is uh, we made sure you know all of the hooks are in place to scale out the security infrastructure how the encryption works the enterprise side of being distributed like I shared earlier so we've architected for all that but we didn't build it all day one. We have to be efficient with the capital. And then on the user side of just having a, you know, the MVP deployed, that's all horizontally scalable. So as the traffic increases, we can grow it. Well, Adam, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? You know, it. I think entrepreneurs struggle with that question. <laughs> um, I certainly do, because it's, it's kind of like as you achieve something, your brain goes, well, I'll be proud when this next thing happens. And maybe that's part of the, the entrepreneurial uh, sickness. If I had to give you an answer, I'd say you know two things. One is um, it's been really humbling the people that have coalesced around Pearl. Even before we had any early funds raised, people were just so taken by the concept that you know, I, I was really grateful to have, you know, folks, some very experienced folks get involved, even without any cash component, you know, and spend time even daily to get all the, the legwork off the ground and working on the MVP and all of that. And just amazing people. Yeah, you know, there's nothing so exciting as when you, you think you have a vision and there's always that self-doubt, right? As an entrepreneur, I have this idea and I'm driven toward it, but is it something the world needs? And is it something others will resonate around? And so when that starts to happen and validate the thinking and, and even sh obviously shape the thinking, that's the biggest thing that I'd say is really gratifying. And the other thing more around the concept is because of past experiences and doing similar things in a very different industry, we've been able to take a really novel approach to the problem. Everybody looks at sort of the, the common aspects of data privacy. People think data privacy and they think my social media data, my browsing data, but this, this elephant in the room, right, of what's really the most valuable information, how we spend our money, what's really empowering kind of the abusive players in the middle is, being in the middle of consumer transactions, right? It being in the middle of, in between consumers and the companies we buy from. And so the aha of, well, if we can fix that, if we can give consumers their own data and all the benefits of that and create direct trusted relationships between consumers and those that they buy from, that's a little bit of a, a unique way to look at the world of data privacy and, and start from the real fundamentals of what's most important here, what's most valuable here. The, the real thing of you can't solve it without creating a win-win. And how can we look at this in a way where it's truly very compelling, financially compelling win-wins for all the right players to get involved? That only happened because of having done something similar in another industry. And, and I'm pretty proud of that because it's letting us build a solution in a way that you know others haven't tried before. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I think a big one early on was just the basic thinking on how we take this, this concept to market. 
the, the first bite at the apple, we thought, let's start this from the corporate lens because it seemed like a, a path of least resistance. Meaning we'll go get a few large enterprise partners and we'll put a pilot together and we'll create kind of a, a consortium of enterprise pilot partners and we'll be able to show the numbers of you give consumers their privacy, you give them their data, here's how it benefits. And we thought that that would be, you know, the, the quickest way to get up and run and running. That was some flawed thinking in a number of ways, right? Because we lost track of the roots. This is about empowering consumers. And yes, we need the win-win for enterprises because otherwise the concept doesn't work. But the everyday consumer needs to see the value. They need to see their privacy and they see the value of their information. That was a course correction we had to make because trying to put that together the way we were originally thinking about it, it's a real uphill battle for lots of reasons. And so we had to adjust, we had to pivot and we had to say, okay, let's make sure the MVP really is geared the right way at everyday you know, users that have a privacy concern. Let's make sure that we're building our own community of early adopters that are the community we're really trying to serve. And so, you know, that was a pivot that we had to make, a, a correction that we had to make, and, uh, and I'm really glad we did it. Well, what does the future look like for Pearl, the product, and for your team? So uh, I'd say looking out over the next year, the really cool thing in terms of like our whole mission of building a win-win is that what we've been able to show so far, right, through releasing the MVP and starting to build that user community is, it's a very simple tool to use. When you go to Pearl.io and you click sign up, you know, you create an account, it's privacy everywhere that you spend money. You type your initials, you appoint us as your data privacy agent, and then you just tell the platform where you spend money. And you can do that manually, or if you want to link a credit card, you can do that. What's been very cool is that that last step in that signup process, because we're trying to keep it like so simple, is you tell Pearl what your privacy preferences are, and then we go out and, and, and make that happen everywhere that the user is spending money. And that's just a couple of switches, right? Uh, I don't want my data sold or shared or brokered. I want access to my purchase information through Pearl. And then the real kicker for us in building the win-win is we just, give people the option and we say, hey, will you reward the good guys? Will you let uh, you know privacy complying companies engage with you? We, we try to educate the user that, hey, we're trying to build a trust-based economy. We're trying to reward the companies that honor privacy and create that ecosystem. And so what we've seen is that over 90% of users say yes to that. Yep, good guy companies, they can engage with me and they can pick how often, how relevant, that sort of thing. It doesn't mean that any data is shared. Data is always private, but companies can engage. And so the future for us, or if I really look out over like the next 12 months, that dynamic is, is really powerful for us because what we've seen is that when users sign up for Pearl, you know, on average, they, they direct us to go engage with between 10 and 20, you know, sizable retailers and merchants for them and get them their data privacy and their data access. Uh, and what we're, we're able to say to those enterprises is, hey, you know, give our users what they're asking for on their data privacy, and 93% of them are going to, in turn, reward you and give you access to reach them and engage with them. And that creates a win-win. And so for our next, looking out over our next 12 months, we're going to build on those fundamentals and build up our user community be able to bring those kinds of numbers to retailers in the United States and start to get pilots going that show them the power of how they get rewarded through those kinds of numbers. And that'll lead us to uh, really our next funding round. 
Let's switch to you, Adam. Who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, CTO, architect, really any person that you look up to and why. I have a couple of answers to that question. My wife by far, right? So first of all, not only is she the biggest cheerleader for Pearl um, and for years has you know shared the vision and helped me overcome all the self-doubt and obstacles. She herself, as I shared earlier, you know, uh, has also built a business that really matters to people. And, and hers is helping struggling readers learn how to read. On, on a weekly basis, she's got parents in tears on Zoom calls. You know, how did you do this? My child can read now. And so that's really inspirational to me to watch that happen. Both like, you know, the upfront and close of the impact in the world, but also the behind the scenes of what it takes to, to grow that and scale it and reach more, reach more kids. So she's, she's my biggest influence easily. Also, you know, my first business partner, who's also an advisor and an investor in Pearl, Daniel Chait, he's the co-founder of Greenhouse Software, which is um, a really successful venture back company in New York City. He's a big influence and he's a big mentor to me, you know, having been through growing in a company very successfully. Um, very grateful for, for his advice as well. So we talked about a mistake, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? I mentioned at the beginning, I didn't have the experience. When the idea for Pearl first occurred to me way back when, I just didn't have the business experience, the world experience to go do something of this nature. The puzzle pieces that came together for me was a couple things. You know, the first was I was kind of recruited out of the New York City entrepreneurial world to go lead the technology and operations replatforming for a, a public company that got bought by Nielsen. So all of a sudden I was in this world of consumer data that was like an accidental benefit because, you know, it got me a little closer to the universe I needed to be in. Through talking to people, it helped me validate what I had been thinking, right? That, yeah, this information that was in my head about, you know, empowering consumers with their own purchase data. It's like, A, nobody has that data and, and B, it's like insanely valuable. I had thought about starting Pearl uh, after that whole experience, but then the second puzzle piece happened. And the second puzzle piece was totally different industry, but insane similarities to Pearl in terms of how to go make a win-win happen at scale. And it was after the last financial crisis, you know, which was all centered on housing finance. And there was this tremendous need to restore trust and transparency to that industry and how it, the mechanics of how it worked. It wound up relating to Pearl, what I found, I found myself in a very, you know, fortunate situation. I was recruited to the uh, executive team at Fannie Mae. I was you know, it's the outsider, right? I'm like this New York entrepreneur with no background in that industry. And I was in a position to propose kind of a crazy idea, which was let's create a joint venture, which was across Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and the federal regulators across all that to standardize what the industry does on an open, transparent data platform. So I was really humbled to have that opportunity to help launch and lead that venture. We grew that to about 500 people. It now returns about $500 million a year to the average like American taxpayer. What I learned there that helped me with Pearl was it's like, okay, how do you build commonalities across consu everyday consumers and regulators and then competing enterprises? and take all those conflicting goals and find win-win so that something positive can emerge. And I made so many mistakes through all that, that you know, I was grateful to be given a shot to do it and super proud of the, the whole team there that's still there. But also learned, you know, how do you modernize 
a really entrenched legacy industry that's heavily regulated and, and something that all Americans count on in their everyday lives. I wouldn't have had that to bring to Pearl if I hadn't had that experience. And then lastly, to do it all with a new data platform, you know, that unlocks such tremendous value for everyday people. That really gave me a lot of the gray hair and experience, though, to, to make Pearl real and have the maybe the audacity to, to take on something big like that. But something I would do differently, I think, you know, really simple for Pearl, something I would really simple that I would do differently is just get the MVP out faster. I mentioned that as one of the mistakes we made, right? Uh, the go to market approach. Um, I think, you know, if I could go back uh, and just get that MVP out faster, we would have learned some of that quicker. Well, last question, Adam. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? When you find the fire in your belly, right, that of uh, here's something I want to create in this world or here's change that I want to create in this world. And when you can feel that as like a genuine, real passion inside you, um, that's something to grab onto. When, when you can align something that you're passionate about with something that the world needs, um, there's such tremendous power in that because what it means is that you're gonna push through the hard times. Um, you know, and the reverse is also true, right? If you don't have those feelings, you're probably not gonna stick it out and push through those hard times. Um, one of my favorite uh, little inspirational clips like on YouTube is this thing from Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the whole theme that he has is no plan B, right? He's like, look, if you know, if you have a plan B and then the first time the going gets tough or the second time the going gets tough, you're gonna take the plan B. You're gonna say, okay, this isn't working. I, I'm just gonna go do this other thing and uh, support myself. And, you know, look, as a, me personally, right, as a two entrepreneur family with four kids, um, those are very real trade-offs, right? It's not simple uh, to support a family when, you know, when there's no consistency, we were two entrepreneurs. Um, but what lets us do that is, is that passion. So, you know, and this is the case for both me and my wife, and this is what I would tell the person on the plane, is that, you know, if you've got the real burning fire uh, and the real passion of some change you want to bring to the world um, and it aligns with something the world needs, that's going to that's gonna power you through the tough times. Um, and uh, what I'd also say is what happens because of that is, um, it, you know, in, in my life, people that I never could have predicted um, because of that passion, right? Because that, because of um, striving to build something the world needs, people have just unpredictably gave, given generously of themselves, gave me a shot, you know, lent their energy, their resources, their helping hand. Um, and even you're doing that, right? You're doing that right now because you're being a connector. Your listeners may hear this and uh, either be inspired to build what they want to build um, maybe some will uh, be inspired by what Pearl's doing to check us out. Um, but I think the bottom line is like, you know, energy attracts, passion attracts. And uh, if you've got that passion for the thing you want to change in the world, um, you will persevere. And that genuineness will attract others who your goals resonate with. When that happens, it's, it's like magic, right? We have such immense gratitude. We want to pay it forward. So, Well, Adam, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Pearl. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Noah. 
And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.